welcome to the May 14th edition of One Nation Radio here on Lords of Pain. I am your host, Rich Latta, with my special guest tonight, Simon Cotton of SportsKeeda.com. What's up, Simon? Hey, man, how's it going? Chilling, man. Um, just just uh, here on this late Tuesday evening. Of course, uh, uh, my co-host, my normal co-host, James, he was so disgusted with the Kabuki Warriors name. He told me he did not watch a second of SmackDown Live. Um, I do not blame him. Um, I share in my displeasure of that name and a lot of what WWE has been doing recently. And, of course, I brought the beacon of positivity on the show, uh, Mr. Simon Cotton. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> But, of course. Yeah, man. So uh, we're going to go through Raw and SmackDown here. And, um, you know, pretty much uh, they were over on that side, the pond. Uh, Shouts out to the guys over on the right side of the pond and Ricky and Clive. Uh, you know, somewhat normal time zone uh, for those guys. Uh, they were in London. And we got Miz TV to start. Uh, they brought Roman Reigns and the Miz out here at the beginning of the show. Uh, and they played a video uh, for showing how Shane outsmarted the Miz while while it played. WWE acted like I've never seen one of their steel cage matches as they tell me Shane won't have the geeks to help him. Their steel cage matches are normally overrun with interference. So the Miz welcomed us to the international edition of Miz TV. Uh, he said Money in the Bank happens once a year. It's the WWE Infinity Stone. Simon, I actually saw um, Avengers. And why y'all didn't tell me that Papa Doc is the new Captain America? <laughs> hey, man, it's one of those surprises. And we, we, we still dealing with it. Like, huh? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I was like, yeah. "Wow!" I was real blown when it went when that whole thing went yeah, down. But to... and I don't even watch yeah, this whole about to thing. Give you all <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, the, he basically calls it the Infinity Stone. It all but guarantees a championship. Uh, the same is going to happen for one man and one woman. WWE had Miz throwing in all the corporate buzzwords during this. Miz said he's going to be in the cage with Shane and they brought out Roman Reigns and there were some boos. Cole goes over the rules of the wild, wild card stuff stating only, you know, four people or any four people can show up just in case we didn't get it last week. And of course, you know, it's, it's gone beyond four at different times. Uh, Miz asked Roman, what can he expect? And there were some boos. And then Roman starts talking about Elias. He calls Elias a young, strong competitor essentially, and the crowd cuts him off uh, with the O walk with Elias chance. Uh, then Reigns, like, recovered and, and popped me pretty decent. He said if you need a karaoke performer, we'll how walk. Old? What's up? I'm sorry, how old is Elias again? Elias is 31. Yeah, that ain't young, bro. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, 31. Yeah, 31 is the new young, huh? Yeah, this is, this is the new young. Apparently, you know, speaking as a as a spry young 30-year-old, uh, you know, I'm, I'm staring down 31 now, uh, next year. So, um, you know, you can call Elias a lot of things, but young is not one of them. Um, he's, he basically said, if you need a karaoke performer, we'll walk with Elias. Elias has never won a title. He's never done shit. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, he barely gets booked for matches. Range just completely, like, destroy that man. And Miz offers uh, to connect with Reigns on a Hollywood level, offers to do a buddy cop movie with him. Reigns was like, chill, I ain't really here for all of that. 
I ain't with the old Miz. I want the new Miz, the king of hardcore, Mike Mizan and Miz. <laughs> and then Miz goes on this rant. Uh, he's trying to sound like a tough guy. Uh, he says after 13 years, he's earned the fans' respect. Shane's a daddy's boy who's been handed everything. Miz calls him, says he's not the toughest, the biggest, and the strongest, but he knows how to win, and he brings a fight. He goes in all types of tough guy histrionics that not a soul believes, and then Shane Man comes out. Um, after that, Shane was like, it's flattering that y'all are talking about me, but I didn't hear y'all say that I was the boss. And then Elias and Lashley blindside to Miz and Roman, and then Elias and Shane dap up pretty much, and we got to set up for a tag team match. What did you think of this opening segment, Simon? I mean, for the most part, it was just by the numbers, everything we're used to seeing, nothing that really was any type of, none of this new wave energy and stuff they promised months ago. And that's it. And I'm going to just keep going back to that because it was like, we understand the problems. We're going to fix it. Meanwhile, I'm watching Baron Corbin still getting prominent TV time. Cesaro and uh, Cedric Alexander went missing for two weeks. Yeah. So it was like. Yeah, man. Uh, Then we got like the Miz and Roman Reigns tag, weird tag team that is against Bobby Lashley and Elias. Uh, Shane basically pulls Roman off the edge for the DQ after they kicked the Miz's ass all match. Um, Elias did the Undertaker's rope walk, walk spot in the um, in the joint, which absolutely re- that reminded me that the Undertaker destroyed him the day after WrestleMania for absolutely no reason, and it led to nothing uh, because the Undertaker is wrestling Goldberg at uh, WWE Super Showdown, which is the new Saudi Arabia show. So, uh, just, you know, some of that continuity that they were talking about. So, um, after that, they did a video package for Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Uh, and it kind of had, like, a different feel to than the normal video package. They used the some indie clips of, of their old match, which was a nice touch, I think. And it showed uh, Seth Rollins uh, being a kid. Um, and basically, it was like a boyhood dream style video for for Seth, like it was like it was Sean. AJ gets framed as this outsider who has since made his legacy in WWE. They use the tags "Born for Greatness," "Destiny," and "One Dream," and you know different stuff like that. Then they uh, replayed the death of Sami Zayn last week, where he was thrown in the trash. Charlie Caruso then asked Braun Strowman if he regrets anything that he did to Sami Zayn last week. Braun Strowman said the only thing he regrets is that Zayn didn't get turned into a cube. From there, they cut to Sami Zayn crying in the office about Braun Strowman. Immediately, I thought this would be more effective if he didn't show up the next day on SmackDown Live and have a world title match like nothing ever happened. Um, Zayn then pretty much says he wants Strowman's spot and he offers to fight him for it. And the, his spot in the Money in the Bank uh, contest, and I was wondering why Zayn wasn't announced for Money in the Bank, you know, at the beginning. But um, you know, he offers to make it false count anywhere. So I thought either Zayn is smart or he has a death wish. Turns out he was smart. Yeah, because yeah, especially considering what happened every single time they fought, like what two, three years ago. Yes, and Braun Strowman yeah. was putting a whooping on the boy. Yes. Uh, Braun Strowman should be sending like Sami Zayn ten percent of all money he makes for the for his rest of the time in, in the business uh, because he got that man over. <laughs> I mean, as James would say, 
it is impossible to have a bad last man standing match. Yes. Um, <laughs> so after that, we got <laughs> Mojo Raleigh. Now, if you guys heard the show last week, we talked about Mojo Raleigh's promo that aired off the air. And Mojo Raleigh actually made the show this week. So Mojo Raleigh came out there the new with the new uniform on, on and his body was covered up. So you know what that means. They're telling that man he's not in shape. So uh, and James in our group chat was like, either you have to be like, uh, like really in shape or just flat out fat. There's no in between. And Mojo Raleigh's like that in between uh, stage right now. So we got Apollo was being his opponent, Apollo Cruz, uh, you know, taking advantage of that wild card rule. So um, basically, you know, the match only goes a minute. This is a squash. Apollo like does like a moonsault, but fakes like his leg is hurt. Mojo cut blocks him, like you know, because he's a football player. Mojo was getting the full repackaged commentary. The crowd was in silence during this, and they just talked about you know him and what the face paint was supposed to represent no one cared of course it's mojo rowley what 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 do they expect to happen he put a he put some paint on his face puts on a jacket and we supposed to suddenly assume that he's this good wrestler or whatever like it's mojo rowley the dude's been in wwe's uh, uh what's it called developmental for years when he got to the main roster nobody cared because he was paired off with, with uh, Zack Ryder, another person who they failed to do anything with. And then he just, they decided to turn him heel like he really got the juice like that. They give this man the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale victory at WrestleMania 33 in a year where Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe didn't make the WrestleMania card. Yes. And, and Mojo Rowley went on to do absolutely nothing with it. And they turned him heel after that for whatever reason. They spent six weeks or however long they've been with him looking at himself in the mirror doing all this goofiness. And now we've come to a one-minute match against Apollo Crews. And we're supposed to be impressed. Yeah. Where is this leading? This, this, like, this is how I feel about the Bray Wyatt stuff just from watching it. It's just like, where is this going? <laughs> the payoff is not going to be worth it. We will get there. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about. I'll talk about my thoughts on that more when we get to it. Yep. But this Mojo Rowley, like, he needs to make a decision. <laughs> yeah, bro. Either he needs to leave WWE or something, like, because this is not – this will never draw a dime. This will be nothing here. And they've got um, – the next thing, uh, they showed Alexa. She was on the phone cussing someone out, pretty much talking about her missing luggage. This turned out to be a whole charade to pull her out of the match. Uh, she then made friends with Nikki Cross. Uh, Nikki no longer looks deranged and crazy, off, you know, or out of the ring at least. Uh, she's wearing makeup with her hair done. So they had to, uh, you know, put their magic on Nikki there. Uh, Nikki then takes Alexa's spot in the match, essentially. She says she's been here for four weeks and no one's noticed. And Alexa didn't want to bother her, but she told Nikki that she could talk to her. And, you know, she ended up taking her place in the Fatal 4-Way. After that, uh, Michael Cole announces Becky is fighting two different opponents. I couldn't tell because, you know, I thought it was a mirror uh, between Charlotte and Lacey. Cole sounds I think like, I said it perfectly on I think I said it perfectly on Twitter last time this was brought up. The match versus Charlotte is the one that happens in WWE. And the match with Lacey Evans is what would happen if WCW still 
have won the Monday Night Wars. <laughs> Which is funny because Charlotte's from the South too, but you know they don't like play that up. So, um, yeah, Cole announces uh, every woman here. He sounds like an absolutely soulless shill. Uh, he introduced Lacey, Charlotte, and, and Becky. Uh, then Cole asks Becky if, if she knew how grueling it would be d- to defend both belts on Sunday. Crowd was chanting Becky two belts. Becky said she was thrilled, and it was great to be back in London. And then Becky said Charlotte and Lacey are both bigger and more athletic, but she didn't care how big the fight was. Uh, Becky warned Lacey uh, what was coming and said she would regret coming after the man. Uh, Becky told her to ask her twin sister, Charlotte, if she didn't believe how hard it was uh, to beat her. Charlotte said her big mouth got her in this spot. Uh, then Lacey thanked Charlotte for dressing appropriately for the contract signing in, you know, her country accent. Uh, she said, unlike Becky, who was dressed to fight in a barn. Um, then Becky said, you know, you must have never been in one of these contract signings before because literally shit goes down. And... And Becky said uh, there was more pressure on her, on both of them, than her basically saying um, Lacey can't afford to lose her first match and Charlotte can't uh, afford to learn lose her zillionth. So after that, um, you know, uh, Charlotte said beating Ronda Rousey wasn't enough. Uh, like, you got your storybook ending. and it's, You know, you had to name yourself Becky Two Bells. The crowd then chanted it. You can't live up to your rep. This is all going to come crashing down. It will not hurt inside like Hulk Hogan because uh, fuck Hulk Hogan. But, uh, you know, she said it finds <laughs> it uh, hilarious. Not even the belts can hide your jealousy and insecurities. At Money in the Bank, the only thing you'll be able to blame is your stubborn cry, uh, pride when you brow down to the queen. And... After that, Lacey started talking, and she was like, this is the point I've been trying to prove. The WWE Universe deserves a proper lady to be a champion. These young women are led astray by your classless and confusing behavior, and this time I restored class to the raw Bruh. women's belt. Bruh. Yeah. Um, is it cra- is it crazy that I'm thinking that she sounds like Whitley from a different world? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yeah, that's a whole nother world, literally. Um, but she said you can pretend to swing something you don't have between your legs, but real women like me and Charlotte are gonna handle you essentially. So they're are we still doing this. We're still doing this, bro. Didn't she address this on that uh, three sixty or? What's it called? Twenty W twenty four thing. Yes. After she got injured, and she flat out said it was never about being wanting to be a man. It was taking the it was taking the turn from her dad and flipping it. Yeah. Right. Everybody God, knows what the not- status of the man is, but you know, I guess this is just a thing. So um, after that, basically, uh, Becky offers offers uh, Lacey a shot. Then Lacey uh, rushes Becky, but she gets thrown out the ring. Becky drags Charlotte, but then Lacey attacks her from behind. Charlotte takes advantage on Becky. They kick her ass and then powerbomb her through the tables, shield style. So this is like the blonde shield. And they both hold uh, the the blonde skyscrapers, then pose with the belts. Uh, Charlotte with the blue belt. uh, Lacey with the red belt. So uh, the the I Hate Becky Lynch Brigade must have had a lot of fun with this one. So... um, You like... I mean, if you like Charlotte better than Becky, I understand... But the people out here standing, uh, Lacey Evans, you—I'm uh, I mean, trying to be respectful, but like, come on, 
Come on now. Ain't ain't nothing to talk about. Yeah. So after that, we had um, a Ricochet inset promo about winning money in the bank, and it was just like, who's making him talk? And we got Ricochet versus Baron Corbin. Now, I didn't hate this match. Ricochet damn near did the impossible. He brought Baron Corbin to respectability. Therefore, Ricochet is a Wrestler of the Week nominee here. And he got his heat back at the end. So there was an exciting... Which automatically makes, which automatically makes Baron Corbin a uh, LeBron James U. Bone contender. How you, how you win a match and still look like a loser. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I have no problem uh, nominating Baron Corbin. Um... So the the deal with it was, uh, I thought it was a decent match. Ricochet was moving around pretty much as fast as he can. They had an exciting opening sequence. Corbin is like swift enough on his feet to keep up in that retrospect. Cut him off before the commercial. We came back after a pinfall attempt uh, for two, um, and they had like a nice like little you know under sub ten minute TV match. I would probably just you know say it was like three and a quarter or something, which is probably Baron Corbin's best match. Not nothing to write home about for Ricochet, but uh, and on the night that Bret Hart versus Tom McGee was released, I felt like we saw an updated version uh, in this one, and <laughs> Baron Corbin got the uh, clean win on Ricochet, which I was not pleased about, but I couldn't really be upset because I thought uh, you know both guys did a good job there. Uh, as I mentioned, after the match, Corbin grabbed a ladder and tried to get up, uh, get the briefcase. Before he could do that, Ricochet pushed the ladder off sent Corbin out of the ring and then they played Ricochet's music after that they had uh, Rey Mysterio in the back and he told Charlie Caruso that Samojo crossed the line by targeting his son then Cesaro showed up and said it was rude to talk about Joe considering he wasn't there Cesaro then wondered why Mysterio kept bringing his kid to work asked why it was, if it was bring your kid to work day uh, Mysterio said that's none of his business he's been training and traveling the world Cesaro ain't care about none of that, and he talked about how much taller that uh, Dominic was than Ray. He wondered if Dominic was even his son. At that point, I, I was I considered whether they should make Dominic wear wear a mask also, uh, just to uh, <laughs> you know keep up the resemblance. I was wondering how you know I, I didn't know Cesaro was referring, or I didn't know Cesaro knew how you know. This lack of resemblance because, you know, I didn't think Rey Mysterio took his mask off, but that, you know, I guess it was something else that he was referring to the height. That's not the first, that's not the first thing I thought of. Yes. I thought of that stupid custody battle ladder match from 2005. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, then Rey pretty much attacked him and they, they brawled and Rey Mysterio was using aerial maneuvers in, in the backstage brawl. Just just <laughs> hilarious. And Masiro then threw a suitcase at Cesaro. It was it was just hilarious. Then they they aired the Roman Reigns video package talking about his whole career once again. Um <laughs> What do you think about this, bro? Cuz I know you see it like I see it. Like, honestly, they decide to air this package talking about how arduous his journey's been. Crown always went on his side. He fights back cancer. He comes back just in time for WrestleMania. And the first match you decide to put him in is a match against Elias, a man who is of such sub, sub, uh, sub, subpar standards at WrestleMania. 
that he did did he even get a match? No. I don't remember. No, exactly. he did not. He just got destroyed by by John Cena who was doing his two thousand five gimmick. So for two years in a row and on the grandest stage, all they can have that man do is talk. Yep. He is the he is the men's version of Alexa Bliss. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Um yeah, all these people that they go they go they you both want to protect them. They have the look and they can talk. But when the bell rings, they really ain't worth much. So I, I can see what you're saying there. Um, so after that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just cautious with them with, you know, they're putting Roman on both shows now. They're airing this video package every chance they get, it seems like. And it's like, yo, it's, hey, it's a, y'all it's lying. Almost as if they're trying to re- it's almost as if they're trying to remind us that he's a top star. But at the same time, it's like, well, look how you booked him. Yeah, and and then in the in the video package, they're doing all types of revisionist history and showing people cheering during the 2015 Royal Rumble and him winning the title at WrestleMania 32. It was just like none of this happened, Chief. Like I don't know what y'all are doing here. Um, so then Sarah Schreiber, uh, when she was interviewing AJ Styles, AJ said people can question him, uh, but the form that he hit Rollins with last week was meant for Corbin. But, you know, it's whatever now. He said, this is Monday Night Rollins. At least it was. So he showed up, said he was going to walk out of Money in the Bank as a Universal Champion. Then they plugged uh, the Styles interview throughout the show. He ended up not really leading to anything. But uh, what, what do you think of this AJ and Seth match that's on deck? I mean, you, I mean, you got two wrestlers who are great. Obviously, AJ Styles, I put on a higher level than Seth Rollins. Just, just because Seth Rollins really ain't been the same since his injury in 2015. Mm-hmm. And when you, like, the build-up for the most part has been fine. I think Rollins just came across looking a little too weak, but that's, but not, but not to the, not to the point of it detracting from the, the prospect of seeing his match. However, right. my biggest, my biggest concern with this is, I don't want to get the same thing to happen with WrestleMania 34, because there was another dream match with a. Uh, with AJ facing Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. And the 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 match did not uh, reach the expectations people had for it. Yeah. And we already know that Seth Rollins for the most right. Like, Seth hitting his stride his twenty fifteen stride is it comes and goes. We never know when it really happens. Mm-hmm. And AJ is the type of opponent to do it, but the problem is, like, he hasn't really hit it off like that in recent months either. Like, unless he's facing Somebody like Daniel Bryan, or somebody who's a who's at his level, or even like some, unless he's facing somebody who's like literally at his level, he's I haven't really seen him because that that match of Randy Orton, people expected a lot from that. Me personally, mm-hmm. and I didn't get what I I didn't get what I came for basically. And I and think I'm hoping it doesn't happen. Yeah, I feel you. And and what they have the tendency to do with the AJ feuds is fuck the finishes in all of them, so you think less of the match. And they what happens is they they wrestle to lead to that finish, and it just doesn't like come off like something you want to give critical acclaim to. That sounds like the stupidest looking ideology I've ever heard. <laughs> let's mess with let's mess with finishes so that one day we can actually do one. Right, yeah, yeah. I I like clean victories, but um, after that, we had the women's fatal four ways about nine minutes. Uh, they did the pre-tape vignettes. Naomi says she needs this money in the bank match, and there was no one in the match that could compete with her. 
Dana Brooks said uh, the money in the bank will be a validation of her hard work and she deserved to win. Natalia has talked about her experience and says she's been in all four women's money in the bank ladder matches, including on Sunday. Then Alexa was there uh, to cut a promo for a match she wasn't even in. And she said the she won last year and she cashed in on the same night. History is going to repeat itself. God, I hope not. What, are they, what, is, what is up with them and this Alexa Bliss stuff? Because like I told, like I sent the group uh, yesterday, they labeled Alexa Bliss or put her on the top five for greatest money in the bank cash in. That's insane. A list that shared Edge, Dolph Ziggler, and Seth Rollins. Like, on the list of cash ins I've seen, Alexa Bliss is way towards the bottom. Rob Van Dam cashing in at the uh, One Night Stand pay per view. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy Orton cashing in at SummerSlam. Yep. Like, Daniel Bryan cashing in on Big Show, basically stealing one from him. Yes. All of these were better than just Alexa. Why? Because she hit Ronda Rousey with the briefcase. I, well, congratulations. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think this was just one of their wacky lists to put a couple people in there that are current. So to show that they are currently making history uh, with, yeah. with this thing. And I don't know, man. It's <laughs> you, know, you know, they like to put those things on IG to get people like arguing, essentially. So um, they had a decent match. There was a there was one spot in the match I like where um, Naomi did this twisting dive, uh, vaulting press over the ropes. Dana Brooke dove off the top of a ladder, which was nuts. Uh, Naomi did a split split leg moonsault on Dana uh, and Natalia, and but Dana broke up the cover. After that, um, you know we got that dive that was mentioned with Dana Brooke. Uh, Natty threw Dana into the barricade and took out Naomi. And then all of a sudden, Nikki Cross got the swinging neckbreaker off the middle rope, and she got the win. So Nikki Cross, who has not been seen, she got the win. And I guess the only time that, that they pull Nikki Cross out is whenever they go over to the U.K., because I can't <laughs> remember seeing her any other time. Uh, I, I really understand. Like, you got somebody who's talented who can do something, you don't have a lot of that, uh, at least at least not at least not going at the top because you see who's challenging for the title for Raw right now. Yeah, uh, you would think, hey, maybe we do something with her. I guess I guess this is all they can think to do right now. Ridiculous. So, so after the match, um, like Alexa and Nikki, they set up the ladder in the ring. Nikki was gonna go up there and get the briefcase, but then Alexa told her to chill, and she climbed in instead. She went up there and got the briefcase, and I hope that's the only time I have to look at that during this year. That image. If she if she pulls the edge or a CM Punk, I might be done with women with the women's division on Raw. <laughs> Boy, I, I can't I can't suffer I can't suffer through another push from Alexa Bliss. Her, her promos are basic intro to heel one-on-one where I say something, then I'd be like, well, actually, I hate that stuff she did where she'd sucker people in who apparently never watched the wrestling program right. where she pretends to be remorseful and sad and cheerful. And then she says, it was great because all of you don't get to enjoy it. It's something stupid. Her wrestling is mediocre. As you said in your rant from last year, she is the walking version of the Mendoza line. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ain't got no love. There ain't no love. The woman can talk. And if there were authority figures on the show, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have a problem with her being one. Unfortunately, the McMahons have decided to take all the spotlight. Yeah. So at this point, I really, unless she's going to be a manager for somebody, I really don't care to see her in the ring ever again. 
If she retired tomorrow, I would have no problem with that. I might celebrate. Um, (laughs) 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 But um, after that, uh, you know, they had Sami Zayn cutting a promo, looking directly to the camera. He said it's better to be right than to be big and strong, and he would find a way to beat Strowman. Then Samoa Joe cut a promo. He said he didn't cross the line. All he did was talk to to Mysterio Jr. Jr. Um, he said Ray crossed the line when he brought his boy into the to WWE. He said somebody needed to teach Dominic how to be a man, and Ray wasn't the person to do it. Joe was ready for Mysterio on Sunday and said, Dominic, I hope I see you there too. So I feel like that the, the real angle that they're going to do here, I swear I hope they don't turn Dominic on Ray. I ain't got time. <laughs> and real quick with the Strowman thing. Yeah. Like, is it ain't it hilarious that Braun Strowman is the champion of the people coming to defend against Sami Zayn? Like, I didn't. I, I'm surprised I didn't bring it up the first time. Like, Braun Strowman. So a couple weeks ago, we were just like doing process of elimination on the show, and I was like, me and James were like, it's either going to be the Miz or it's going to be Braun who comes out to get him, and. It turned out to be Braun. I mean, like, because I'm thinking of, like, Cedric Alexander, and he would be, like, the perfect... I'm thinking he'd be the perfect superstar to do that because he was on 205 Live for all them years. Yeah. He spent an entire year wrestling Noam Dar in a note in a, in a never-ending cycle until yes. uh, Enzo Amore vacated the title. He got the big match at WrestleMania. Uh, he carried the belt, carried the division up until Super Showdown in October. You see. Eventually... Uh, Eventually, Ali gets drafted to SmackDown. Cedric's still doing his thing, and then he finally gets drafted to Raw. So it would be it would be easy to make a narrative of the fans brought me here, they got me to this point. You ain't gonna sit here. There's crit, blah blah blah, whatever version of it he would want to say. It seemed like an easy fit, and they're going with the guy who never really talks about the fans at all. Like I'm not saying it had to be somebody like John Cena or something, but. When you present an argument, you should usually present a counter-argument, not just throw a guy in the dumpster. Right. And, and that, those are all really great points, Simon, Like as far as like who really should be going at him. But then you have to think, are they going to let Cedric Alexander represent all of us, the people? No way. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be shocked if they're they're teaming Cedric Alexander and Ricochet up as a tag team uh, about two or three months from now. Um, the, the the I can't hate that, but I hate it at the same time. I know I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> uh, then we got the uh, Rey Mysterio Cesaro match, which was really nifty. These guys did a lot of you know cool little spots. Um, Sierra was on him early, and so Cesaro caught him on the outside and, and swung him twice into the barricade. Ray leaped over a charge attempt on the apron, and Cesaro ran into the post. Cesaro went to the top, but Cesaro knocked him down with an uppercut. Then Cesaro did a delayed lifting vertical suplex. Looked great, lifting Cesaro over the top rope from the apron into the ring. It was a break, but Cesaro was going to do one of the swings, but Ray sat up and transitioned into a DDT. Then a La Mahestral cradle for two. Cesaro blocked 619. Then he did the swing. Cesaro hit the uppercut, and Mysterio landed on the middle rope. 
Uh, the crowd already knew what it was. Cesaro went for the 619, but he missed. Because remember, Cesaro's been doing that 619 uh, for a little bit. Uh, Ray kicked him and then used the code red for two. Uh, Mysterio came off the top, but Cesaro hit him with that big up. You going to jail now? Up, uppercut for the near near fall, and Cesaro tried a power bomb, but Mysterio gave him to her Karana for onto the middle rope. Mysterio then followed with a six one nine and frost splash for the win. Nice little TV match. Um, Man, I've missed Cesaro in singles matches. Yes, I think we all have, and you know, no shade to what the bar was. I think they filled a, a necessity for a little while, but. Cesaro's always had the talent to have great matches. Like that's that's just what this guy does. Like it's it's easy, and you know you let him just catch. Like like who who's who could be a better person on the roster that can catch for Rey Mysterio? So I can't think of too many. So they aired uh, replays of the revival stuff in the last couple weeks. Revival cut a promo said users are weirdo voyeurs, balls in the Usos court if they want to fight. And the embarrassment of the revival stops right now. So this would, like, I guess make sense. But apparently the Usos are wrestling Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. Um, so none of, none of this led to anything. Yes, they announced it on SmackDown that on the pre-show, yes, Daniel Bryan will be on the pre-show with the Usos uh, for the Tag Team Championships. Yes, I am just yeah. like I, I unplugged my brain okay. on this. Okay, I need to I, hold on. I need to see what what the, what's on the rest of this money in the bank card now. Please do, please pull that up, and I'm going to keep actually. Yeah, please pull that up, and I will fill fill a buster here. So, the revival for weeks have been getting embarrassed. They've been having the Usos just literally be creeps to these dudes. Does it lead to a match? No. Why? Because we're just filling TV time. So, the as I mentioned, the Usos will be now facing... Uh, the Usos, a Raw team, will be taking on a SmackDown team for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Who are the Raw Tag Team Champions? I don't even know. The, the, oh, it's Hawkins and Ryder. Yeah, it's Hawkins yeah. and Ryder. Who, Nobody. Yes. I, and I'm like, well, why do they have the belts? This makes no sense. So, um, I, I I think they have they they literally put belts on sorry teams to like disable the belts for a couple months so they don't have to book them. Need proof? Look at what what they've done in the women's tag team division. <laughs> do you, I thought do you, I thought the worst was over at WrestleMania 34 when Braun Strowman won the tag team belts with a child. Yes, but. Uh, it got worse, it got worse, and it got, and I thought, oh, the Revival finally won, and then look at WrestleMania 35. Zack Ryder and, oh, Kurt Hawkins ended his undefeated streak. This is impressive to the three people who've been paying attention to him all year. <laughs> Did you so happen I to find that up. card? Yeah, yes, I do. So, let's go in order. Obviously, there's the, the match you already know about. Becky Lynch defending her title against Lacey Evans. Uh, the, the Raw title defending the, the SmackDown title against Charlotte. Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles, the Men's Money in the Bank match featuring Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, Randy Orton, the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match: Natalya, Dana Brooke, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, Carmella, Roman Reigns versus Elias. I don't see why that's not on the pre-show. Like, if we being real, like, I ain't got no great expectations looking at that. Um, I mean, Elias is the king of the pre-show. 
But, um, you know, they got Reigns. They ain't about to put Reigns on the pre-show. Yeah, then The Miz versus Shane McMahon. Then Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. Shit, we lucky and they didn't put Samoa... that on the pre-show. Ooh, man, I'd be Like, Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Now, that I expected to go on the pre-show because they probably wrestled, like, the, their last match was at WrestleMania. It lasted a minute or less than that. Yeah. And then, and then you got Daniel... And then you got Tony Nese versus Aria Davari. If that show, if that match makes the main card, I'm we gonna have some issues. I think that one's gonna go on the pre-show too. Like they'll do two matches on the pre-show probably, and it'll be those two. And it better. Be. I don't. Yeah, Daniel Bryan being on the pre-show is just absolutely ludicrous in every sense of the word. But um, after that, I remember. I remember when the Shield. It's actually funny because I remember like in 20, 2013. Yeah, 20- 2013 was like one of the greatest tag team matches ever that nobody really saw because it was on the pre-show. Yep. It was the Shield versus the Usos. Yep, that was when like, the Usos really came out. Man, and that and it happened to be on one of the greatest Money in the Bank pay-per-views ever, really. Yeah. Um. Then we Crazy. had the the new the Firefly Funhouse. So normally I just dismiss these these segments because I'm just like, oh okay. But for some reason I decided to watch it this week. And I did not see the spoilers or anything, so I didn't know what was coming. So Bray Wyatt said he had a dark secret, and it was time to show the world what he'd been working on. Uh, he leaned in to and learned how to harness and control his darkness, and he asked if we wanted to see a secret. The camera went dark and revealed Bray Wyatt's new look. He has this creepy-looking mask and like a leather coat with black and red striped pants, and he looked like a lot of people were saying he looks like Slipknot. He looks like the Joker. He looks like just some whatever. And I'm, I still have the same question: who, who in the fuck is he about to wrestle? Like who, like how does this translate to wrestling matches and fighting? Uh, a lot of people are digging it. I'm just like, we'll see where it ends because it's Bray Wyatt. We know the finish of this. I feel like, but Simon, what did you think of, of all this Bray Wyatt nonsense? Like, <laughs> man, when I when I first saw it, I was heated. I was like, why? What? Who? Who thought this was a good idea? Like, is, is, is this is this a character for the? Is this a heel character for the kids? He's he's trying to corrupt your children. Like, kids ain't gonna like people don't. Like, maybe kids will gravitate to it, but I haven't really heard him being strong in that demographic since this thing has started a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And then they got these goofy segments like, oh, word of the day, sociopath. Like, this is okay. This is clearly not meant for kids. So. What what's the goal here? And then like all you gotta do is let me in. Like okay, now he's being trolled with kids, and they they look like they're mind controlled or just bored. If you ask me. <laughs> and then we get to this week where he seemingly dumps it all to become the, to show his new character, and he's not wrestling at the pay per view. So why would they even show that yet? You wouldn't I, like the logic, at least in my mind, would be: Wouldn't you wait until he's about to wrestle on a pay per view or on TV before you show his new look? Otherwise, it just looks. Otherwise, maybe you're you rushing to a conclusion. It seemed like whatever story they were building up, I don't understand it now because they've gone from what seemed like a slow build up to just showing us the end result. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I. I mean, the more they would have went on with those vignettes, I think it would have got even more confusing. I don't mind that they pretty much... Re- it's still confusing. It, yes, it, it is still confusing. <laughs> it, but I don't mind that they, like, 
moved, accelerated the story a little bit forward because I was just looking at these segments like, oh, okay, it's time to tune out. At least on this, I was like, oh, okay, it's like this is actually what he's getting at with these whole things. And <clears throat> my my question still remains the same. Who's he about to wrestle? How does this translate to him actually fighting people and being able to step into this universe? I guess he's more of a monster than ever is what this is supposed to symbolize. And I'm like, well, I still see the same Bray Wyatt under there. So (laughs) we'll see when the bell rings. So after that, uh, Sarah Schreiber uh, interviews Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins cut a good promo here. And Rollins basically didn't care because he already showed his true colors. Rollins said this wasn't the first time ever match. They wrestled once before 15 years ago. And then they aired something from 2006, which is not 15 years ago, but whatever. Um, And it was like in 2006, and basically it was in front of his friends and family. And he said 15 years ago he looked up to Styles, but on Sunday it'll be Styles looking up at him. And I thought that was a great babyface line up there with like, you know, Bret Hart saying, well, maybe, maybe not on this level, but put me in the mindset of, when he told Owen Hart before SummerSlam 94, he's like, I'm going to beat you, brother. I just hope that you can live with it. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yo, you got it. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's fucking great. It's the best promo he's ever cut as a baby face. Man. I don't know. I still like the one where he pushed Vince McMahon down. <laughs> like, bro. Yes, when he started writing WCW in the air, yeah. Uh, you know, don't get it twisted. Bret Hart was always right. He was always a baby face, even in 97. Um, yeah, after that, there was the main event. It was a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, I was having some issues with my stream. I do know Sami Zayn got some help uh, to defeat Braun Strowman with Corbin and Stro- and McIntyre coming to his aid. Uh, Braun Strowman apparently has some type of injury. This is the way to get him out of there. He needs to be beaten three on one. So Sami Zayn gets his revenge for getting thrown in the dumpster. They get um, Corbin and McIntyre get Braun Strowman out of the Money in the Bank match. So they get a geek in his spot, essentially. And that was Monday Night Raw. I know James really liked the show. He texted me. He was like, he wondered if this was the best Raw of the year. Um a lot of I'm gonna keep it a buck with y'all. A lot of these matches on Raw and it's just a lot with WWE right now isn't really sinking in for me right now. Like it's just not hitting. So I couldn't really judge it on that scale. But um, I thought they did you know a decent enough job. Uh, just literally getting to the finish line of this build because as you know this was a go home show. So um, any final thoughts on Raw, Simon? Well, I think the matches were better this week, definitely. Um, the segments, I didn't really care for because a lot of it was just everything we've seen over and over again. And with Strowman apparently being injured, it just really, I think that's the most disheartening thing coming out of this whole show because it's like, you think about where he was two years ago around this time, one of the biggest stars, breakout stars of the year. On his way to fighting Brock Lesnar and all the damage that and all the damage that did. Right now he's just a guy and he's getting taken out left and right. Earlier this year he lost his Universal Championship shot against Brock Lesnar. Yep. Ended up doing. What did he do at WrestleMania? 
he was in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, fucking around with the Saturday Night Live uh, host. Of course, that was that was a fulfilling storyline. We got a great that was had a great payoff. All, all these folks were telling me that this was this great thing for Braun Strowman. He can he can be in the mainstream. Yeah, how'd that work out? Yeah, Raw got such a big ratings boost from the writers of Saturday Night Live appearing in a match. Yeah, like, yeah. Apparently. But anyway, uh, that will wrap up the first segment. We will be back with the SmackDown portion. Welcome back. Y'all already know what it is. It is time for the SmackDown Live portion. So I am going to defer to Simon here to take us through what happened on SmackDown Live. But first, he definitely wanted to talk about uh, the ratings. Simon and it specializes in analyzing the ratings. Uh, he writes like a weekly column on Sports Keto about it. Yes. So, so what happened with the uh, ratings this week? Well, it's actually surprising. Like Raw's viewership. Well, you would think it wouldn't be too surprising, considering the fact that WWE's been going up against the NBA playoffs for the past few weeks. And uh-huh. That's really been hurt. That's really been hurting their viewership. But this week's episode, they didn't have any of that competition from the NBA. But it was a taped episode, and it was a go-home show. Now, a go-home show on a taped episode alone would usually mean viewership decreases. And, and, a, and a combination of both, you would assume that it would drop even further. This week's episode actually went up in viewership by about 100,000 fans. This week's episode averaged 2.35 million viewers. Uh, it's up 10% from last week. Um... Yeah, pretty much. It's only real competition was like stuck on MTV, VH1, and uh, the NH and the NHL for the most part. So yeah, uh, I've always kind of heard like historically, like it hasn't shaken out like whether a show is live or taped or not. And it's interesting that they've had you know a couple weeks of growth with this wildcard stuff. I wonder how that how long that can like kind of sustain and how long is it before uh, the concept of wild carding uh, this whole, you know, all these different people uh, really like wears off like as a novelty because it'll be like, Oh, okay. You know, they're just here again. Like I would probably give that like two or three months before it's like, you know, the, the courses run essentially with it. But uh, that's good news for, for them that the ratings are falling or excuse me, they're recovering from where they fell into. So, uh, but Simon, and next, and next week is the, uh, the post show f- for, uh, money in the bank. And that's usually always increasing the viewership. Get a little bump. I think yeah. it's only, but with the NBA playoff game with, uh, the Warriors, I don't, that's a, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. You might, you might get beat on a little bit. So uh, what happened with SmackDown, man? Of course, it's coming to you from the O2 Arena in London, England again. Show starts with who else but Roman Reigns. <laughs> you know, got to get him in there for that first hour bump so you, to say he's a draw. Man, you know. They are intent on getting this man booed. Damn. You mean to tell me I got a deal of opening him up on Raw and SmackDown where he basically says the exact same things? Okay, but in any case... Yeah, like I say, he basically says the same thing. He's got problems with Elias and Shane McMahon. I just can't, I cannot fathom how this is the the next feud for Roman Reigns is fighting Shane McMahon via proxy with Elias. I really, 
and I'm surprised that they haven't just made this a big old tag team match and, or tornado tag or something. I think that'd be more fun than watching they these just two did wrestle it as individually. A, correct. They should have did it as a tag team match. Put them all in the cage. Exactly. But Roman Reigns brings the Miz back to SmackDown. And, of course, out comes Vince McMahon. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Shane McMahon and Elias. And Miz is, uh, Shane tells Miz that he's banned from ringside and from the building. And he says that uh, this whole wild card thing is only with his approval. And he's exercising his power. And then Elias... Uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan and Shane McMahon all pop up on the ring with Roman and The Miz. And out comes the, the, the Usos to their rescue. And backstage, Shane McMahon sets up a three-on-four handicap match. And if The Miz gets involved, the cage match is off for Sunday. This leads into... Uh, what did you think about this opening segment before I get ahead of myself? I was, um, I was shocked that Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns ended up on opposite sides of each other any time before, like, WrestleMania 36. they I think they were just throwing a, like, they, they threw it out there for people that were looking for that, and I think that's something they eventually go back to. But, you know, nice nice little brawl and everything like that. I'm still baffled by the Elias Shane McMahon connection as heels. I guess they're like, you know, we're just going to put these deplorable people out there opposite of Roman. So to ensure uh, people don't want to cheer for Shane McMahon. So. so so, in other words, we're going to do the exact same thing we did last year that wasn't effective. <laughs> yes, like Jinder Mahal, yes. And, oh, oh, God, I'm getting flashbacks. Let's not. <laughs> oh, man. This leads into a fatal, a damn good fatal four-way match. With Andrade versus Finn Balor versus Randy Orton versus... I'm never going to get used to them still referring to him as Ali. Man, that's Mustafa, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The match? Well, yeah, Randy Orton came out and cut his by the numbers. I'm a heel. Um, I'm talking at the the reverse of the speed of sound and light. That man talking as slow as he wrestles. Wrap this shit up, uh, Orton. I don't even know why he even came out there and said all that. Like, like I, I would have preferred they do what they did uh, with uh, Bailey and and Moon later. Well, not Ember Moon. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, get to that yeah. in a second. Oh my God. So, so yeah, the match is like amazing. Just like, of course, like look who you got in the ring: got Andrade, Finn Balor, Andy Orton, Ali. Like all these people are real good wrestlers, and. Uh, you got Ali doing all this high flying stuff. He met, like Ali almost got caught with RKO, or he faked Orton out, and that yep. was a cool spot. But it, it looked kind of funny because, like, when AJ Styles and Orton did it, Styles looked like he saw it coming and stopped. Mm-hmm. Orton kind of looked like he just hops up <laughs> like on instinct. <laughs> like, oh. And then uh, he, yeah, Andrade uh, um, tried another part where he. Um, he had fallen victim to Orton's RKO jumping out of thin air, but he actually figured it out this time. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, these yeah, guys were all over the place. A- I, I like this match. Yeah. Uh, the finishing sequence, Ali missed the 450 splash on Balor, and he, he rolls himself up. He rolls through, and Orton catches him with the RKO. This stuff is always great to look at. 
Bella hit a dive on, on the outside on Orton and Ali. And Andrade threw him back in, into the ring post, threw him back in the ring, and get the hammerlock DDT on Bella and got the win. So good for Andrade. Yeah. Uh, anytime Andrade getting the win, you know, that's cool with me. So now, folks, now we need him. Now, as only we can get him on this Intercontinental Championship. You know, that's, I, what, that's what I'm going to see next. My SummerSlam or bust. Andrade uh, continues to add to his TV Wrestler of the Year uh, resume. Absolutely. So then we get a backstage promo by Carmella. Oh, you missed something. So after after that, he went up to the to the ladder, and then Ricochet ran out. So Ricochet was the wild card, and he came oh, out there yeah. and brawled. So I definitely need the uh, Ricochet Andrade sequence that's going to happen in the Money in the Bank match. And Ricochet grabbed the briefcase. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, there's a lot of good wrestlers in that match. Uh, there's a few I don't care for, but hey, we've seen we've seen them do a lot better with a lot worse. Yeah. So it can't, I'm expecting this to to pat. It's got to at least match the quality of some of the the, the greatest Money in the Bank ladder matches. And I'm talking about WrestleMania 24, 2011, mm. SmackDown one. Uh, the 2013 W Championship All Star in 2014. Yeah, like, those those are the goats for Money in the Bank matches in my opinion. And with the people they got involved here, they got the they got the opportunity to to match that quality as long as they don't get in their own way, essentially. So backstage, uh, Xavier Woods is up, is talking with Kofi Kingston, and he and Kingston asked Woods to stay in the locker room because his back is still injured. This eventually leads us to Charlotte Flair making her way to the ring, talking about the end of her, the end, the continuation of her feud or culmination with her feud with Becky Lynch. They show a little video package talking about their friendship and their history. Um, and that's when Lacey Evans, she she's showing backstage, and she's like, "Oh, I'm t- everybody's tired of watching reruns," and she said. She had a really interesting line. She's like, Becky calls herself Becky Two Belts, but when I hit her with this woman's right, she's going to have a new nickname, Becky Black Eye. <laughs> I thought that was corny, but I liked it. Then, of course, she had to ruin it by saying, and they're going to call me a new name, Lacey Evans, Raw Women's Champion. Like, that's not a new name. That's just a title on in addition to your name. Like, you, should know the, you should know the difference. But, hmm. And then, like, what did you think of this little... Uh, this little video package they did. I thought it was all right. I mean, you know, they, um, you know, just run of the mill. <laughs> I think what really helped it was the fact that, like, Evans was in this immediately afterward for the most part. It was just like, yeah, people are kind of tired of listening to y'all. Granted, we're not exactly happy to see her in this position, but, like, that direct contrast. I think it's a little bit more effective. Yeah, I think it's good that they uh, just l- went into it and was like, "Hey, don't forget the match is coming." Essentially, but we're we're not going to send her out there with her full entrance again to where it's just like, "Yo, like we're done with the with the whole entrance deal." <laughs> oh God! And uh, backstage, Alex the Black cut a promo, promising to make people fade to black. Is he supposed to be a heel or something? I, I'm definitely afraid of this. I like man, they got him. They got the noise every time he he rises up like the crypt keeper. 
Yeah, I don't like Andrade. Should I'm sorry, Alistair Black should be the easiest person to make interesting. You just don't have him talk. Let him kick people in the face. The guy's gimmick is he kicks ass. Let him kick ass. One hundred percent agree. We got we come back and then we got the big three on four match: Shane McMahon, Elias, Daniel Bryan, and Eric Rowan versus Roman Reigns and the Usos. So this is like the first time Roman Reigns and the Usos have teamed up since like 2016. Yeah, in their feud with the club. Excellent the, short term feud. The club. Yeah. Just the club. Just the club. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this match was pretty long, and I didn't really care for that. But it was I think it was effective for the most part. Yeah, I, I, you know, they, they did different little, like, heat portions on a couple different guys. They did get two Brian and Rain sequences. They didn't really do too much. Uh, Rain's got, like, a, a comeback, and then Brian got a short heat segment before I think he tagged Rowan in, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And eventually, like, the heels get on Rain for a bit. Like, the Uso... Jimmy got tagging around while the Usos get on Daniel Bryan. And event, but eventually momentum shifts, and McMahon gets a tag and hits the coast-to-coast coast on Jay Uso and wins the match for him. So <clears throat> after the match, Miz ran out and, t- and got the chair and started whooping on people. And Corey Graves said that the Miz is going to get his match canceled. And, of course... Because he's got to be that heel. And then Tom Phillips immediately said, no, the match is over, so that doesn't count. I don't know why they do these little stipulations because nobody ever really breaks them. Uh, I'd find it more interesting if they did that. Yeah. Because just running it it by the numbers, because it's not clever. Like here, like when the, in like 2013, Vicky Guerrero banned The Rock from the arena. Oh and then he God. still showed up later because yeah. he had a ticket in his hand. I, I thought that, that was kind of yeah. funny. I remember that. It, it, yeah, like, it, but if you're not going to do something clever with it, then I don't really, I don't really see the issue. I don't, I don't really see the reason to keep doing this. Um, what's your thoughts on the match? Um, it was all right. Um, I, I, I thought it was decent. Like as far as like the, um, um, you know, pu- pushing both of the stories forward. You established the Brian and uh, Rowan. Against the Usos match, you lay something out there for the future with Brian and Reigns, hopefully WrestleMania. And I, I think they went with the only finish that really could have been possible because they're not going to pin Shane. Uh, it wouldn't have been smart to pin Daniel Bryan, even though you know I feel like they have no reservations about doing so. Um, <clears throat> they obviously don't pin Eric Rowan because they protect him all the time now. And who else was out there? Uh, Elias, they're not going to pin him because he's being kept strong for Roman. So it's um. Can I, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I just keep remembering the fact that Eric Rowan is getting TV time. Uh, Luke Harper, who wanted to do something, and wanted to be involved, was is being kept on the shelf. And yeah, it, it's because one dude is bigger than the other. Unbelievable. <laughs> And you know what type of match we could have if Luke, if Luke Harper was wrestling like Braun Strowman or something. Like, like that would be one. That probably be one of the best big man matches in WWE history. Yeah. Like, and they don't. They don't even want to just. 
Like Luke Harper's a, Luke Harper's so much more versatile than Eric Rowan is. Cause what is it? I can't even ever think of a match that Eric Rowan was a sink was the star and uh, was breaking out in. Like, cause when I think about yeah. the Shield match and the Wyatt match, I think about Roman Reigns being hyped up. I think about uh, Seth Rollins and Luke Harper. Like, that's all that really comes to mind as far as standouts. So I really don't understand this this infatuation with with Rowan now. Yeah, but, uh, it's literally because he's big. <laughs> Not big and talented, just big. Just big. Yeah. And we come back from commercial, we get two backstage interviews via cell phone, one from Ember Moon and the other from Bailey. I'm going to let you handle the Ember Moon one. <laughs> Yo. You had some choice words. Yes, bro. Them. I never need to hear Ember Moon talking on the mic in a promo fashion again. Completely <laughs> unnatural, completely just like you see her gimmick. She's a war goddess and all this stuff. There's supposed to be an aura about her. Apparently, that's I guess that's the idea. But when she talks, it immediately leaves the room very fast. And I'm just feel like I'm listening to somebody recite lines that were they were handed on a piece of paper and they memorized 10 minutes before uh, they recorded the thing. And I thought this was just like, wow, you don't yeah, ever like, need like to talk. You know, I think I said it best when I said Ember Moon is a really good wrestler. And that's pretty much it. Like This whole war goddess thing, I, I didn't get this when I was watching her in NXT. I recognized she was a talented uh, performer. Like uh, The theme music's okay for the most part. Her entrance is different, but I didn't really get this whole werewolf uh, night stuff. And then she's the war goddess. Yeah, bro. I don't really... But I, I, but I don't really be seeing her raring to fight nobody like I do Nikki Cross. And her gimmick is just supposed to be this. Nikki Cross is crazy, uh, at least until this week. So, And then Bailey had a backstory. But in any case, Bailey had a, one of those videos talking about it was her time to step out of the shadow of someone who remained nameless, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Sasha Banks has all but disappeared from WWE TV uh, over the last month and a half. We come back, and of course, we get the the next stupid name on the list of stupid names that WWE continue to give wrestlers, Uh, Asuka and Kairi Sane, otherwise known as the Kabuki Warriors. Boy, when we talk about tone deaf, when we talk about it's terrible from a stereotype and racial perspective, when we talk about just a name, literally uh, how it sounds, the Kabuki Warriors, why on earth would they be named that? If they weren't Japanese, they would not be being called the Kabuki Warriors. Man, this is you, clearly you your called... gimmick is your race. That's that's what this is. They could have been called the Empress, the Empresses of uh, Insane, or something like you can. You can name stuff off the top of your head that sounds better than this. Like A and K. Something. That's simple and basic. That's better than calling them the Kabuki Warriors. Have them, like, I don't even understand the logic of that. The Kabuki Warriors. Just because there was a... There was a wrestler, for those of you that don't know, uh, back in the 80s and 70s, a guy named, he's a legend in Japan, the Great Kabuki. 
Kabuki is entered the wrestling lexicon, like as far as verbiage, where something sounds like it's not on the up and up, like it's sneaky, like you know the stereotype with you know Asian folks, like where it's like you know they're sneaky, it's Kabuki ish, and that's like a term within wrestling. And then for them to drop this name on there, it's just like. The Kabuki Warriors. Are you serious? And I and there, I've got a lot of things sent to me today about you know Kabuki dancers and Kabuki performers in Japan, and none of it sounds good. Like as far as like the history of it and like what it was, what happened, and why things had to change. And also, you know, people need to have, like stop using the Kabuki um, aesthetic in their performances and, uh, you know, appropriating it. And, of course, they're not doing appropriation here because these are actually Japanese women. But they, as I mentioned, if they weren't Japanese, they wouldn't call them this. And it's just more your gimmick is your race shit. Unless they start spitting green mist next week, which I pray to God doesn't happen. I I feel like it's going to happen eventually. And it's just like... (laughs) And I don't know if that's just my pessimistic side, but I put nothing past cool. this company. They should find themselves a hundred thousand dollars. How they find Lars Sullivan and put you know, for they ask for sensitivity training. Yes, it's just like this sucks. <laughs> I, I'm just like I, I saw the name crawling across the timeline. I don't think it got half the outrage that the Viking experience did uh, when that came up. But this is way worse, in my opinion. They they took Kyrie Sane out of NXT for this, really. Holy shit! Like, <laughs> right. and James, like, like the the titles, like, I, like uh, who was on who are the champions right now? The Iconics, Billy, uh, Billy, Ro- Billy K, and Peyton Royce. Yes, like, the, these titles are cooked, done, you know, like finished. Like, like for the record, Oscar and Kyrie saying won the match, but against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. But I ain't really, I don't really care. Yep. Like we need we need to discuss this. What was the purpose of taking the title off Sasha Banks and Bailey if you were ultimately just going to put them on two people who weren't going to utilize the titles in any significant way? They've been wrestling jobbers and doing this constant backstage promo, things they were already doing prior to winning the tag team belts. When yeah. Sasha and Bailey won it, it felt like it was gonna mean something. Like we were expecting what was we saying, at least until SummerSlam or so. Maybe Survivor Series, if they feel like going that far with them. No, I I wasn't even. No, I don't know this, but I don't don't know this, but it feels like it's a pre-orchestrated plan to de-emphasize the women uh, after WrestleMania. And they're fearful of their ratings thing. Of course, last week we had, you know, the 30-second matches and one-minute matches, uh, cramming all the women into one segment. And if you have the titles on a team that you don't care about and don't take seriously and the crowd doesn't take seriously as wrestlers, it's real easy to hide them and not book them. Um, and you obviously can't do that to Sasha and Bailey. And if you do, people are going to get loud and notice it. But if you do it to the Iconics, who you don't really want to see really wrestle anyway, it's less notice- noticeable. Still noticeable, but for two different reasons rather than one. So now only so even if even if Oscar and Kyrie end up winning the tag titles at some because there's no keep, let's keep in mind there's no match for this on the Money in the Bank pay per view. Oh no! The, the titles ain't even being defended, nor are the Raw tag teams. 
Jesus. So even if Kyrie and Oscar do win the tag team titles, they still got a stupid name that they got to get over despite of. Yes. The same way the like, the same way the War Machine has to. Like what? What? This is stupid. Like, yeah. There's no other way for me to describe this. All, all, all these people with all these ideas in this company, and you tell me this is the best we could come up with? No. I, I refuse to blame all those people. We know where this is coming from. You know it. I know it. He needs to go. Absolutely. I don't even want to bring his name up because it's that obvious. <laughs> in any case, uh, in the back, Kevin Owens talking about his match with Kofi. But he gets interrupted by Kofi Kingston, who runs to makes his way to the ring, throwing his pancakes like he usually does, in spite of uh, Jim Ross and Billy the Superstar. Hey man, yeah. Superstar Billy Graham could kiss my ass, bro. Uh, I've been saying <laughs> when, when, when that dude said you should take steroids, I'm like mother, you know how many people have died doing that shit. You you up to you about to sit up here and say yeah you should do that? Well, I did it. Yeah, everything. That's why you you, you hurt so much. Yeah, it ain't just because you was taking bumps. Like stupid, man. And what Jim Ross said, it's not it's not a terrible criticism, but he been saying some wild stuff for a minute anyway. So yeah. <laughs> And besides, this isn't really no big feud for him to get emotional. I know I get what people are saying about him being more serious, but this ain't no big feud for him to get emotional about. This ain't Biggie or Xavier Woods turning the back on him, which, by the way, WWE, if you are listening, that's not what we're saying do here. Please um, don't. <laughs> like, but I guess any if, if you want him to get more serious, then he's to be an opponent that's going to get that out of him. And be getting betrayed by Kevin Owens, you know, that was kind of Kobe Kingston's fault for not expecting that. Like, that was a sting moment on his hand. <laughs> Never go full sting. <laughs> Never. Yeah, in any case, uh, they talked for a little bit. And Kingston th- calls Owens out. Owens comes down to the ring. They fought now for a little bit. And then the final wild card for SmackDown, Sami Zayn attacks Kingston. So Sammy's, the team of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens... Maybe back, which would be great news for Monday Night Raw's tag division if they want to go that route. It's uh, like it's, it's just so weird because Sammy's a Raw guy and Kevin's a SmackDown guy, but like you know this wild card rule shit. It's like they can just be together. Like it, it literally doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. <laughs> um, eventually, Xavier Woods makes his way down to the ring to help Kev. Kingston out, they still get the upper hand. Owens yells at Kingston that he could have ended it. Like right now, he could beat, he could put him out, but he wants to keep enough of him for Sunday so he can win on that show. He goes for the cannonball. Kingston moves. Zane picks him up, knocks him in the head a few times, goes for the halluva kick, and then kick. Or is it just the hell? Is it just the hell of a kick now? Because he's saying everybody needs to go to hell. Is hell? He should just call it the hell's kick, or, or the exactly. go, or the go to hell. <laughs> Instead of the go I, to sleep, the go to hell. <laughs> hey, that, that, I, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, yeah. He goes for that. Kingston, Kingston moves out the way, hits him with the uh, trouble in paradise, 
and stares down Owens as a show face to Black. And what are your thoughts on SmackDown? Uh, I thought SmackDown was a better show than Raw. Um, you got the, the, the two matches that I liked in the middle of the show, uh, the eight, the seven-man tag, and the, you know, the Fatal 4-Way. And they, you know, they had some good, you know, promo work, uh, you know, with a um, couple of the folks on there. And the Owens-Kofi brawl was, was really good, and it made it just seem like, all right, Kofi's in for a fight, and let's hope he gets through it. So, because they did a couple, they had him do a couple title defenses. I hope that wasn't a case of, oh yeah, let's let's have him do a couple defenses, and then we can just take it off of him because you you can't say he lost it in his first defense or something. I hope that's not the case, but um, I'm excited for for that match. Yeah, one of the blessings and curses about Kofi Kingston winning this title is the fact that we have no idea what to expect with this company and how they're going to handle it. Exactly. Like he, could lose, he could lose the title at SummerSlam. He could lose the title in Saudi Arabia, or he could lose it this Sunday. Right. Uh, we, we have no way of knowing. We, we, we have nothing. Like, we, we have no basis. Like, Kofi Kingston is not The Rock. Like, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know how they're going to treat this. So, I'm just enjoying every second uh, of it that he can. Like, when he comes on screen with the belt, I'm smiling. I, I'm I'm happy. And, um, and not many things are doing that for me in WWE right now, so... Yeah, absolutely. Overall, for SmackDown, I feel like SmackDown was a better example of what to do for a go-home show. Because I feel like there was some finality or this is it kind of vibe getting up watching this show. Mm-hmm. You got the video packages and people talk, people immediately talking about those. You got Kingston and Owens getting the mini brawl in, hyping up their match. You got all the big people who are in uh, who aren't in big matches but are still having their own things at the money, the bank paper. You got them all together in the big tag team. I love that they didn't do another tag team. Instead, did a fatal four-way with some of the Money the Bank participants. They chose the right guys for that match. My only, my biggest criticism is the opening segment because, once again, it's just Roman Reigns talking. I got tired of that in 2015, 2016. He's better at it than when he was back then, thank God. But it's, it is what it is. And the Kabuki Warriors, obviously, a stupid name that nobody likes that needs to go away as soon as it, it should have never hit the cutting room, should have hit the cutting room floor, should have never been added. I'm, I'm glad they didn't say that name on the uh, on the little SmackDown lower third crawl that they had. Oh, that's coming next week. <laughs> Unfor- unfortunately. But overall, I'd say SmackDown was clearly the better show. Yeah. Monday Night Raw wasn't terrible, but as always, SmackDown is just – Maybe real, maybe it's just two hours that forces them to work hard to, to be a little bit smarter with their time. Yeah, in the two hours, like they don't have the tendency to just have like a lull. Now they did not have that nine o'clock dreadful segment like they did in the last couple of weeks, but it's just such a drag uh, for for Raw a lot of times that you just kind of just look at it and like, oh, okay, there are good things happening here, but. I don't notice them because it's like the landscape has just been so affected by their previous storytelling. It's just like you watch it. And of course they started raw this week where they set up the long talking segment, which leads to a match that ends in a fucking DQ. And it's just like, Oh great. And that just kind of like dampers things for you. But um, I think they did get it on, on the road, but I think SmackDown was overall the stronger show. 
So that's going to wrap it up uh, for our reviews. We will be back with the LeBron James U-Bum of the Week and the Wrestler of the Week. A name caller. what I say? Come here, you say it. Call him a bum. <laughs> it's not a name call. It's a... Nice. You bum. Welcome back. You guys already know what it is. It is time for the LeBron James U-Bum of the Week. So we've got five nominees uh, for this prestigious honor. Um, so up first, we've got Baron Corbin. As Simon mentioned off air, how do you want to match and still look weak? Um, I, I thought he had a uh, relatively good performance, but Simon raised a great point that I just found hilarious. Uh, Brum of the Week. Nominee number two, Braun Strowman. Uh, once again, you get taken out of matches that have to do with title implications because you're not allowed to be the champion, no matter how much people like you. Like, <laughs> I'm going to keep it a buck. He worse than he, he, he getting treated worse than Big Show. I said that in one of my last articles my a few months God. back. Big Show at his prime was, was winning world titles in WrestleMania main events. Yeah. It, it taking don't... on the... It don't seem like Strowman anywhere uh, near that right now. Up next, we got Ember Moon. When we talk about terrible babyface promos and just terrible overall promos, this is it, Chief. Um, you had one job. Yes. You literally had one job today. <laughs> to, to talk and to, and to say something about winning the match. And somehow you failed to do that. Yeah. Uh, just completely soulless. And... I don't know. Like she just needs to practice more. Um, Xavier Woods on here uh, because of the little John rule. He ran out to try to uh, save uh, Kofi, but he ended up promptly getting destroyed by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Was pretty much a non-factor the rest of the segment, and uh, Kofi told him to, to stay in the back. Like, don't even worry about it. Essentially, gave that not man the mention, night off. Not, not to mention. Kofi told him that because he had an injury, and, Ke- and that injury was caused by Kevin Owens, right? Right. So you, so why wouldn't you walk out there with a weapon? Yeah. You have that. You see the fight breaking off. You have that time. You don't grab a kendo stick, a no. chair, or something. That that man coming out there to literally just throw the Dukes up and see how it goes. You could have brought a bottle of water and splash in their face <laughs> or something. God. And our last nominee. Becky Lynch, I believe this is her first time ever on the LeBron James You Bum of the Week list. She's been such a prime candidate on the Wrestler of the Week, but I I couldn't like just get around uh, the fact that she just got beat up by two people, and you know she she was doing okay at first, but then she wasn't, <laughs> and she went through a table. So um, she got beat up by the blondeful people. My God. TNA. TNA had the beautiful people. The wonderful got the people. Yeah. <laughs> look, y'all, if y'all can look up the skyscrapers, this is the woman version of the skyscrapers uh, with Charlotte and Lacey. <laughs> so it's like Dan Spivey and Psycho Sid, these big blonde dudes, but these are women in this case, these six foot tall women. So um, as far as the bum of the week, I am going to go with, oh man, this is kind of tough here. Um, it really is. Yeah, this is really tough. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Strowman because uh, Braun, he gets so close, and then they just yank it away from him, and in the, just the flukiest ways possible. Like 
they had Vince McMahon remove him from a title match before. Now they have three dudes pin him, so he loses his spot. Yeah, for me, it's Braun Strowman. I, I actually agree on that. Like, how many times are you going to lose these title opportunities? Like, yo, are you really just a utility? Like, remember that, that uh, promo Stephanie McMahon cut on uh, the Miz called him the utility player? Yes. And Braun Strowman wishes he was a utility player. <laughs> Good God. It, it's a, and he got finessed for his spot. Um, yeah. Braun Strowman, sorry, man. You are the LeBron James you bum the week. Our wrestler of the week category. Now, this one is a lot more stacked, I would say. Um, so, starting, we've got Andrade, who was victorious in perhaps the best match of the week. Um, after that, we got Ricochet, who pulled a modern-day Bret Hart Tom McGee and stood tall even after losing uh, his segment and then later uh, ran down on Andrade and ended up getting the you know uh, briefcase pulled down. We got uh, Nikki Cross, who made her essentially raw debut again. <laughs> I don't know if it was her actual debut, but she got a win out of nowhere. Sami Zayn, uh, that man ended up getting a spot in the money in the bank. And you had something else, Simon, for Sami Zayn. Because uh, uh. Like, I know you said um, with, with Zayn getting on the list, that man finessed out here. Oh yeah, this man might just mess around and start the J E double F, J A double R, <laughs> E double T wrestler of the week award, man. <laughs> so yeah, Sami Zayn literally um, finesse his way into the Money in the Bank match. He could fuck around and win. Who knows? Uh, and he got the win over Braun Strowman. And at last, Kofi Kingston, our fighting WWE champion, uh, who's here every week, beating people with his move, being tough, being honorable, willing to fight these these uh, reprehensible motherfuckers, and uh, you know he's doing him. So, uh, yeah, man. <clears throat> and for me, this one's pretty easy. Actually, I'm still struggling with two people right here. Like, just a lot of these are all actually like there's a good case to be made for pretty much everybody. Like, the weakest candidate on here is probably Sammy and Kingston. They still end up taking some L's. But, uh, I think for for the wrestler of the week, I'm gonna go with Ricochet. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go with Andrade. And Andrade has been a guy that's been. A great TV wrestler all year. As to the resume, uh, no problem splitting the award there because obviously those two ended up locked up having a little brawl at the end. I think uh, that little interaction got put there for a reason. I think people are excited about seeing these guys in the ring, seeing what they can do together. So Andrade and Ricochet, you guys are the wrestler of the week. Le- uh, Braun Strowman, you are the LeBron James U-Bone of the week. My Lakers got the fourth pick in the draft. Um, I'm kind of happy about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Matt, Simon, I just want to thank you for joining me tonight on the show. Where, and of course, where, where can the people find you at? You can always find me at, uh, SGC speaks on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on, you can follow me on sports. Kita. I write news and opinion pieces. 
I think my last article was just talking, my last opinion article, I think, was talking about that what were the best money the bank ladder matches in WWE history. Yep. And uh, fun fact, most of them take place after the money the bank pay-per-view moves to becoming an individual pay-per-view. So if you want to get more details on that, check that out. And, uh, yeah, sure. I'm going to get back to doing the, my podcast stuff. And one of the things I'm thinking about talking about right now is not just the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, but uh, rather the Money Bank ladder match, but what are some of the best Money in the Bank pay-per-views of all time? I've alluded, to, I've alluded to some of them in the show, but uh, I think there's definitely some room to talk about some other ones, and I'm hoping this Sunday gives us another one to talk about. Yeah, man, and I just want to send a congratulations to Simon for graduating college uh, the other day, I want to say, and make sure y'all slide by his page, check out uh, his pictures. The man was posing, stunting, swagging on y'all boys out there and all that. Becky, Becky got two belts. I got two degrees. Hey, that's what's up, man. Uh, Make sure you guys are following us on uh, social media at One Nation Radio, at Rich Ladder 32, at James Boy 87. Of course, James wasn't here this week. Make sure you guys send him some ads. Let him know how much you missed him this week. And, um, Check out all the other shows here on LOP Radio. Find our other show over on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We did not record a Sunday show this week, but uh, if you guys want to check out the rest of the archives, it is there as well. Uh, You know, we had Mother's Day and all that. So, (laughs) But that's going to wrap up the show. Thank you guys for listening. We are up out of here. Peace. Sorry, Chad.